Uh. Turn me up. Upworthy Weekly, delivering the best of humanity every Saturday. Here's your hosts, Allison Rosen and Todd Perry. Hello, everybody. My name is Todd Perry, and this is Upworthy Weekly. And with me is the wonderful Allison Rosen. You know her from Allison Rosen. She's your new best friend and childish with comedian Greg Fitzsimmons. Hello, Allison. Hello. You know, I got to say, before we begin the show, congratulations to our announcer, Marley Balin, because she graduated college this week. Congratulations, Marley. I have no sense of how old Marley is, but congratulations on graduating college. Well, given the fact that she has a very mature sounding voice, mm-hmm. I mean, not like not mature like people use mature like in an ad where it's like mature singles and, you know, <laughs> or mature like makeup for mature skin. Right. Which mm. is like a 65 year old sort of situation. Not like that. No, more like more like strong yes and confident mm-hmm. and you know that way i i'd call it right. that type of maturity uh but we have a cool development in the world of upworthy weekly is that right now if you go to upworthy's youtube page you will find videos and they'll be regularly updated of us doing the show so all of your favorite segments like will it float will, <laughs> da- will danny Man- kill it <gasps> All the man on the streets from Upworthy Weekly. Yes, all those. Todd and, Todd and me asking people stuff like, who's the president? Stuff like that. Uh, uh, Michael Douglas. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so all the fun video stuff that we do here on the show and all, all your favorite little segments are now on video. So, again, as I said on Twitter this week, you can see why Allison is a TV personality and why people need to set up a GoFundMe to get Invisalign to get my teeth fixed because I had no idea taking my job at Upworthy that people were going to see me. That's all. I, I've never thought to myself, that guy scrimped on, scr- is that the right word? Yes, it is, on orthodontics, Todd. I've never thought that to myself. Well, you know, it's, I just didn't wear my retainer, you know. That, okay, so I have become obsessed with this woman on TikTok. The name of the account is Veneer Check, and her name is Dr. Sarah. She's like, Dr. Sarah, Harvard DMD, here with Veneer Check, the Dua Lipa edition. And all she does is she looks at celebrities, and she goes through their teeth from the time they were little to now, and she, like, tells you if she thinks they've had veneers or crowns or what they've done. But one of the things she's, and she has like perfect teeth herself. She had adult braces. One of the things she says is if you've had orthodontics plan to wear your retainer for the rest of your life. I feel like she's the only one who tells you straight because the rest of them, we grew up thinking you just wear your retainer for a few years, but apparently you have to wear it for the rest of your life. That is something they don't tell you. Well, you know, I think that it was hinted at, by Dr. Momory, who did these fine chompers back Mm. in, you know, the mid 90s. And it was hinted at, but he he didn't take he didn't even take it seriously. He knew I wasn't going to do it. You know, he knew the retainer was going to be put on a tray at the food court at the South Bay Galleria and accidentally thrown away and it was going to be gone forever. Mm -hmm. Yes, I went out 
with this guy, Brad, that I had a crush on and I had just, it wasn't a date, but I wanted it to be one. And I had just, it was the first time we hung out and I had just gotten my braces off. So I had my retainers with me. And I remember thinking, should I bring my retainers with me? Yes, because I'm trying to keep my teeth in position, but like maybe we got something to eat or something. And so I put my retainers uh, in their little case and then I left them in his car. It was a super cool Mustang. Mm. And I forgot to bring I forgot to bring him home. So I uh I had to call him and my mom had to bring me to his place of work the next day to pick up my oh. retainers from his car. Oh. How uncool is that? Oh god. I've never felt less cool. You know, I, I, at oh, first, hi, I left my retainers in your car. Can my mom bring me to your car? Oh. Sure, baby. Uh, <laughs> was he older than you? He was a year older than me. So, oh. yes, he was an older man. Yeah. No, we went to the same high school. But, you know, in those days, like, at that age, one year does make a difference in maturity. And I'd yeah. say. Also, talk about bad optics is showing up on a date while wearing retainers. I know. I should have just left the dumb retainers home. I was just that kind of rule follower. We're going to review some of Upworthy's <laughs> most popular and engaging stories from May 16th to the 20th. And we also have an interview with Tracy Kaplan from the 10 News, who will discuss why it's important to talk about current events with your kid. So... With that, I'd like to thank everybody for listening and joining what I call the Upworthy Bubble. Um, you have your options in life. You can you could be in the right-wing bubble. You can be in the left-wing bubble. But here, we're developing a bubble of news content and opinions that's apart from that. And that's saying, you know what? Actually, most of humanity is pretty cool and cooperative and doing amazing, exciting things. Dogs are up to great stuff. So let's talk about the good side of humanity versus putting our attention and focusing on the negativity. And that's what we do at Upworthy. So, Allison Rosen, let's enter this yes, bubble. I, di- I didn't know we're in a bubble. I love it. Yeah, we're in the Upworthy bubble. I love it. Is it an echo chamber? Yes. <laughs> but it's just a big one. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a wide. We have a big bubble. Everybody's welcome inside of here. People are sharing the weirdest reasons why they got their nicknames, and it's a laugh riot. Uh, so a woman named Erin Summers posted this on Twitter, and it just started a huge conversation about how people got their nicknames. She said, "Thinking about how my sister's college friend was nicknamed Burgers, because <laughs> one time he talked about grilling burgers too enthusiastically. You have to be careful." And so all sorts of people started uh, chiming in with silly nicknames that either they or people they know got over the years that stuck. So here are some that I thought were great. Uh, A friend of a friend was known by everyone as Clean Paul. He didn't do anything to get the nickname except to live in the same dorm as a guy named Dirty Paul. (laughs) I love that. Uh, Here's another. My best friend from grammar school told me about a guy who worked with her on Block Island who had a hot shrimp land on his chest, so they named him Sizzle Chest. <laughs> uh, and then I'd prefer the hot shrimp. Hot shrimp? Yeah. Sizzle Chest. I don't know. I, hot shrimp suggests something about your height, whereas Sizzle Chest, that's like, ooh, that guy's hot. 
Oh. I don't know. There's something, yeah, there's something to, they both have pros and cons. Okay. My sister is known as Quesadilla to most everyone we grew up with because we gave her that nickname as a baby. Her real name is Cassidy. She even went so far as to tell an elementary school teacher that her name actually was Quesadilla because we called her that nearly all the time. And then there was one that was really kind of a thinker. Uh, someone said uh, that, that their friend's nickname was Spider because he once bought three pairs of jeans or three pairs of pants. And it took me a second to even figure that one out. But then I realized the six legs. That is really funny. Okay, I'm sorry. Dumb question here. Wait, what has eight legs and what has six legs? So spiders have six legs? Y- yeah, they're, they're a, a heptapod. What has eight legs then? An ochapod. <laughs> I I know that I've been confused by this before. I feel there is an insect that has eight legs. Could a spider have eight legs? Can well, you look this up? I mean, I, I could. Yes. Like Upworthy Weekly at Upworthy.com. I mean, if there's any entomologist, what if spider listening? has? What if spider has been? misnamed this whole time spider legs i think a spider has eight but here's the eight okay listen he bought six pairs of pants i reject his name he needs to go back and buy one more pair of pants and then it will be appropriate but maybe maybe an octopus no octopus also has eight maybe if you think about it the six were legs that would require jeans, but the front two on a spider mm-hmm. or the back two could be arms. Need a shirt? Mm-hmm. Yes. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. You've gotten to the bottom of it. Thank you. Todd, have you ever had a fun nickname? Do you have one now? Uh, I mean, I've been called things, and none of these were of my choice, but, you know, they give it to you. you got to respond. Uh, when I When I used to work at Sears... Because uh, my name is Todd, Todd with one D. And so right. one of my buddies that worked there first started calling me Double G. And I think it was because like Snoop D-O-Double okay. G, which was kind of like Double D. I don't mm. know why I became known as Double G, but then they shortened it to the dub. So I was known as the dub. <laughs> Who's going to wax down this Kenmore stainless steel? The dub will do it. Who's uh-huh. closing the register tonight? The dub will do it. Who's going to go and work with this severely old couple walking down the aisle that's going to take all day to buy a fridge? Come on, dub. And so that that's why uh, I was i was called the dub. Did uh, you ever refer to yourself as the dub? No one like, ever. Oh, hey, should... it's the dub. <laughs> should embrace their own name like that. Hey, hey uh, plumbing department, this is the dub over in fridges. I'm going to need some filters over here. <laughs> No, I never self-applied dub. But also, I was known... I might have brought this up to you before. But I was known by my friend Pixie, named me God, because of Todd Mm -hmm. with one D. She called me God. And so she would introduce me to all her friends as God. And it was something that my wife always just hated... Like, more more than pure evil itself was people calling me God. And they were doing it jokingly. But as I might have told you before, one time I was on an elevator, 
and going up to a rooftop bar. And the guy who worked the elevator is wearing a top hat, my buddy Dennis. And it was a packed elevator back before COVID. And I get in there in the packed elevator and Dennis goes, hey, sup, God? And everybody looked at me really funny on the elevator. And my wife just like cringed and tried to like self-emulate. And <laughs> it was really bad. Um, well, wait, your friend Pixie, was that her real name? Yeah, it was, she was an artist, so I think it was self-applied. But nobody really Got knew. Got it. I don't think she was born Pixie. But here comes Got it. Pixie okay. and God drinking it up at the Prospector. <laughs> also, now this was a very negative one, which I I was told once I was dating this girl, and they had a friend known as Gucci Mike. Gucci Mike was known as Gucci Mike because he was a, a Gucci model. And oh. So he was like a really good looking guy, you know, vapid, dumb, poor giver of nicknames, I'll tell you that. But one time- I'm, Sounds hot. I'm partying with a bunch of people and a bunch of friends, including my girlfriend at the time, and it comes out, this girl Annika tells me, that Gucci Mike refers to me as Timmy. Mm. And I thought, oh, he goes, because Gucci Mike says you look like Timmy from South Park. <laughs> now, you know, maybe my hairline looked like Timmy, and, you know, maybe given my big eyes and pointy chin, I don't know. But he said I look like Timmy. Now, here's the deal that's fine. I can take an, a joke, I can take an insult. Personally, I always found Timmy to be quite attractive. One of the more attractive of the South Park characters. But here's the thing. When you're a Gucci model, you can't go yeah. around making fun of people's looks. You know? I, I agree with you. It's like, if you're That's Mike, in the contract. Yeah, it's like, if you're Michael Jordan, you don't walk around making fun of people's jump shots. You know? Right. It's in, it's in poor taste. Very poor taste. So, Gucci right. Mike... I kind of I didn't like it because I didn't like the source, you know. It's a sucker punch. Yeah, and I hope life has been cruel to him going forward. Upworthy Weekly at Upworthy.com. Last, <laughs> the the best of humanity. Best of humanity, but you know what? Um, the, the my one thing everybody knew about me from my Harvard days. Uh, everybody called me Squee, and uh, so that was. Uh, <laughs> Took you a right. second. Yeah. Yeah, it did. But there was another another name too. Squee and Oh, I'm blank I'm blanking. There was another funny one, but Squee is the go to reference. Oh yeah. I that is a good that is a good, like rich a good one. white guy nickname. Like Yeah. That's that's a boat shoes kind of guy. Totally. You have boat shoes. You have deck shoes. Yeah, I kind of wear them ironically. But Allison, any great nicknames that you've been known as? Not. They're not great. There's two. Um, when I was in the band, they called me the supervisor because when I was on stage, I and I have this in me, and I don't know that it's a good necessarily a good quality. But I would both be playing, but also kind of like looking around the stage and in the audience and kind of like keeping an eye on everything at the same time. So mm. kind of like supervising and also playing at the same time. Um, and a funny thing is that I told that on my podcast one time and I think it was 
shortly after I'd had my first baby when I was like very tired and out of it. And I said that my nickname was the superintendent because a listener repeated that back to me one time. And I'm like, no, that doesn't make any sense. And that's not right. And they insisted. And I think they're right that I called myself the superintendent, which again makes no, it was a supervisor. And Daniel has said that I have resting to do face, which is, it's the same quality, just a sense of no matter what I'm thinking about, like, what is it that needs to happen? Um, And then this was short lived, but when I turned 21, uh, so my, I had some friends in college who were a year older, again, like my retainer friend. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, I was the retainer friend, but again, I had some friends in college who when I turned 21, I had friends who were a year older, and so I met up with them, and they were going to take me to some bars, and they thought it was the funniest thing ever to nickname me Barfly. I did not get, you know, rip or ain't drunk or anything. I didn't throw up, but they called me Barfly for a period of time, and they, they thought that was the funniest thing. Did they ever call you that when introducing you to men or whatever? It's like, oh, it's Barfly over here. <laughs> Thankfully, No. Because <laughs> that would have been like, so bar- you know, we're out and then, you know, I'm sitting with, with the bro, me and, you know, Squee are hanging out and, uh, well, I'm Squee, I'm sorry, me and Brett. Yeah. And uh, and then they're like, hey, hey, why don't you meet my friend here? This is Barfly. And then that's what you roll up the <laughs> sleeves. Well, what are we, what have we here? You know? Right. <laughs> Upworthy Weekly. Matthew McConaughey makes the case the world unbelievable should be removed from the dictionary. Actor Matthew McConaughey is known for being a bit of a philosopher. He played up the persona for you. He played. <laughs> he played up the persona a few years back in a series of commercials where he pontificated behind the wheel of a large Lincoln. And he'd say stuff like, "Taking care of yourself takes care of more than just yourself." He said in another one. Sometimes you got to go back to actually move forward. This is these these all sound like things that like Ringo Starr said that like John Lennon thought about turning into songs. Yeah, uh, <laughs> McConaughey's philosophy isn't limited t- to TV commercials. He keeps the party going on Twitter, where he regularly posts videos of himself discussing everything from journaling on how to he how he's arrived to certain perspectives. On May sixteenth, he made a bold claim in a video that some may not agree with but actually has a strong footing in science. In a video where he's sitting in a lawn chair, McConaughey says that the word unbelievable should be removed from the dictionary. And here we play that. Unbelievable. All right, it's my least favorite word. I think we should wipe it out of the dictionary. Why? What's so unbelievable about tragedy, about triumph, about people (laughs) that, that raise us up or let us down? It happens every single day. We shouldn't think that the most beautiful sunset or the greatest play or the greatest love of our life or the greatest moment of euphoria is unbelievable. Believe it. It's happening right in front of you, in you. We shouldn't feel like the greatest tragedy of death or earthquakes or or, or natural disasters or loss is unbelievable. It's part of life too. Believe it. We see it happen every day. So unbelievable. I don't buy. Awesome. Horrible. Incredible. I believe those. That's a good way to explain things. But unbelievable? Nah. It just happened. Believe it. You know, I was thinking, it's really about just embracing the totality 
of life. You know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta take all of it in, or else then you're not living in reality. If you're not embracing all of reality, if you're not embracing the fact fact that sometimes good people do bad things, and sometimes bad people do good things, you know, and sometimes the sunset is really bright and beautiful, but sometimes the sun is giving everybody cancer, is what I'm saying. Sometimes people do things that aren't good and they aren't bad. They're just things. Why does everything have to be a thing, man? Sometimes it just is. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> well, the cool thing is that actually, I, I did a little research because I did this story. Mm. Big reveal. Uh, I did this story and <laughs> I did a little bit of research. And, and, and actually, I was looking back at my degree that I have in communications in which a lot of people, they make fun of people with communications degrees. Uh, mine, actually, it taught me a lot about dealing with people and dealing with how the public perceives things. And I've had a career in media because of my communications degree. But one thing you learn is the Sapir-Whorf hypothesis, which basically means that it posits that the language we use has a strong effect on how we interpret reality and that people who speak different languages see the world differently because you, lots of your thoughts are words and concepts come in linguistically. Uh, the idea is still up for debate, but most linguists believe that, quote, language influences perceptions, thought, and at least potentially behavior. So if you're labeling certain things that should be believable, unbelievable, then you're not living in the correct reality, and that's going to affect the way you see things. So Matt McConaughey, in his own unique, folksy, shirtless, playing bongos kind of way, is actually on, you know, explaining a great philosophy. So I've come around on Matt, and I'm with this. But do you, uh, look, I don't mean to be a spoil sport here, but do you believe that unbelievable truly means you can't believe it to be true or do you just mean it's or do you believe it to mean sort of unfathomable 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 meaning it's so outside of the realm of what is expected i i think it's a word i think it is used to express how unexpected it's it's used to express um scale of something and grade of something so you know 9-11 is unbelievable no one expected something like that would happen in our lifetime or this pandemic the toll is unbelievable you know I feel like it's actually a pretty useful word sorry you sorry McConaughey I disagree I'm sorry Allison how can you be so completely naive not to think you didn't <laughs> expect 9-11 was gonna happen or that the <laughs> pandemic the pandemic i know you've done your own research you're right i've done my own research <laughs> upworthy weekly at upworthy.com what do you like better pandemic or scamdemic oh it depends are you talking about the way in which it's creating compliance because then I'm going to go with pandemic. But if you're talking about the way in which people are being fooled into getting the vaccine, then I'm going with scamdemic. I don't know. <laughs> please, please, uh, people well, wait, listening. Though, sorry. We are having fun. Do not We're email joking. the show. <laughs> no. So wait, 
what what word are you and your boy McConaughey suggesting would be better than unbelievable? Uh, actually, McConaughey did suggest some other ones like awesome, upworthy weekly. <laughs> Hey, uh, now I'd like to mention a really great show. Uh, it's called The Only One in the Room. Hosted by Laura Cathcart Robbins, a writer and recovery thriver and survivor, Laura found herself in an all-too-familiar position. In September 2018, she was the only black woman in the room at Brave Magic, a famed writer's retreat. After it was over, she wrote about her, quote, only one experience in the Huffington Post, and comments started flooding into her DMs. These comments were from people of all races, ethnicities, creeds, and nationalities who had felt othered. Laura beautifully interviews a person about their only one story each episode and addresses as many of those DMs as possible in the process. Our hope is that the only one in the room will inspire a change of perspective in how we see and hear each other's stories. This is a podcast for anyone who has ever felt alone in a room full of people, which is to say that this podcast is for everyone. Uh, a woman is asking if life gets better after 30 and this question went viral here are the best responses so Catherine Morgan uh, Black Tina Belcher on Twitter says I'm 28 so I'm almost there but can people in their 30s and older please gently tell me that it's going to get better and that I don't need to have figured out my entire life in two years the tweet took off with more than 100,000 likes and thousands of replies Um, and while everyone phrased their responses differently the general consensus was that you don't have to have anything figured out before you turn 30 so here's some of the responses and I just have to say as someone who is now I mean incredibly young looking so this Mm. is going to come as a shock but I'm well over 30 Mm. and uh the idea of being nervous about turning 30 is uh, at this point, it's like, uh, how quaint. Yeah. Don't you worry, young people. Don't, your 30 sounds so young to me. But I, I remember what it sounded like when people would have that reaction. And it was, um, and I think at that time I felt like, shut up, old person. So anyway, okay, here, here's someone. Dean Gloucester says, I'm more than twice your age and it's getting better and I'm just now starting to figure it out. You're way ahead of schedule. Uh, so, so many Sarah's says the good news is you don't need to figure out your life in two years. The semi bad news is it never fully gets figured out. That's a myth. You'll be growing and changing your whole life and there will be periods of confusion in there. There will also be periods of stability. I feel like that's pretty spot on. Yeah. Um, I like that. Sandra Lambert says I'm 70 in less than a month. Every decade was better than the one before. I'm so looking forward to this next one. Uh, I listened to a podcast recently with a woman who is, um, uh, has been doing aging, uh, research into aging. And apparently the, uh, eighties for women is like a, the decade where you're the most happy. Really? Yeah. Once it- your spouse kicks the bucket, you are overjoyed. I made that last part up, um, but but apparently the supposedly 80s is like a very joyous decade. Um, OK, Gregory says, I'm 34. You definitely do not need to have it all figured out. I don't. And I'm OK with that. And things definitely do get better. There's no doubt about that. You've got this. Your 30s come with a hell of a lot more clarity. Uh, and then Disha Filia says, I turned my corner at 46. It got better not because I was older, but because I finally cut loose, healed all that was holding me back. 30 is arbitrary. You'll get there. Hmm. I personally 
I have found that each decade has got, I'm in my forties now and each decade has gotten better for me. Um, my mother-in-law says for her, each decade has gotten better. I just, I don't know. I was thinking about that. Like I was imagining, you know, let's say I was offered the chance to go back and, I was just thinking about mortality and I was thinking, you know, over half my life is probably behind me. And what if I was offered the chance to go back and and have more of those years? Would I want to snap my fingers and and be 25 again? And um, I don't think I would. I don't think I'd want to be there again. You? Well, I think I'd want to be the age and not not know that I've already gone through those stages and lived through those things. You know, I... Because, obviously, the fifth time doing the same thing over again, it gets boring, you know, or... Mm. So, I... Because I, you're just kind of developmentally done with that. Obviously, I was having a great right. time at 25. And at 25, I, I kind of see it as... At, like, 24, I might have hit, like, a peak. Meaning, mm. a kind of, like, a physical peak. A peak of being culturally relevant... <laughs> you know, uh, you know, people advertise to me, you know, I think that, you know, that's when you look good, you're hip, you're cool, you know, you're dating people and life is fast and you're going to clubs and you're partying and you have like the largest social circle that you have in your entire life. And that's a certain peak. But I feel like now at 45, I've hit my stride. Mm. Peak Which is and stride, a, I like it. Yeah, it's a bit different, right? Like the peak was cool and that was fun. And then it's almost like there was a downhill thing. You're like, now I'm getting older. Now things are getting lamer. But then it's like the career takes off. You start, you know, getting a little, mm-hmm. a little more success. Uh, life isn't so stressful anymore because you're not like worried about where your next meal is coming from. Or all, you kind of have. I think by 45 in many, many, many people's lives, at this point, you've kind of built your own reality. And if it's been what you're aiming for to do, then it's quite, then it's great. You know, even though mm-hmm. maybe you can't run on the treadmill as far or, you know, and, and there are some physical limitations that, that start kicking in. But in general, I feel more in control of my life. I feel like I'm smarter and I don't make dumb decisions. And I feel almost more respected. And there's a whole bunch of positives that come with this point in your life. And so embracing those is great. But I think that, you know, in quiet moments, you'll go, oh, man, wouldn't it be great if I was like 24 and doing the thing? But that same feeling goes away and you realize it's just like when you're 24 and go, Oh man, wasn't life easier in high school. And then you, then you you go, ah, you know, I don't want to go through that again. And you think that at 24 and so maybe at 45, that's it. See, I think maybe I would want to go back and relive a night of being in my twenties, going out with my friends and that kind of fun. But for me, what you're talking about that happened in my thirties, the fun, Mm. the, the, all the good stuff that you're talking about that happened for you in your twenties. For me, that was my thirties. My twenties were hard. My twenties were struggling and were really not knowing what was going on. And I really kind of, I think hit my stride in my thirties more. Um, yeah, I hit my stride in my, 30s and then my 40s were like in the late late 30s and 40s were settling down and having kids getting married you know getting things more settled down but 30s are when it all happened I'd say for me so 30s is 
But when you turn 30, I'd say, I'd say, don't worry about it. That's my, that's the advice every old person gives and I'm giving it to. It's going to work out. So what age should I legitimately worry about? You know, I feel like 60. <laughs> I, I don't, you know, who knows? I haven't lived that healthy. I know all this, all this. Ever. One time. Okay. Ready for a name drop? Uh, we have like a good like name drop. Uh, dro- I need a drop here that's like Todd's about to name drop. Get ready for this one. This we is need something. We we need I'm to, braced. I'm braced for it. Brace the floor because I'm gonna drop it and it may not hold the floor. But okay. I was. I'm holding onto the table and my legs are. Uh, I've got like a healthy stance so I don't fall over and I'm okay. sitting. Okay. I was here hanging out with Burt Reynolds. Whoa. Oh, yeah. My God, I have postulated before that you have a calendar of factoids and you have them spread out so that you're not like using all your good material right away. And this just makes me feel even more that I'm right. Weekly. Next story. Oh, you want me to tell the Burt Reynolds story? Okay. Yes, please. Okay. Sorry. I forgot. Okay. So I was... I wrote some like radio ads for Burt Reynolds back in the, you know, a couple years ago. And so I was in a production studio with Burt Reynolds for like three hours recording them. And the sad thing was that Burt Reynolds was on the way out. It was, this was not Smokey and the Bandit. This was not Sharky's Machine, Burt. This was, you know, the guy who died right. Shade, Burt? Way past that. This, this was the guy who died right, right before filming Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Burt. Um, but he was, he was there and he had to, he was reading these ads and he was terribly uncomfortable while sitting in the chair that he was supposed to read. And he kept moving and his assistant kept giving him like naproxen pills. Like, what is that? Like, it's like, it's like if you took a, like a massive Aleve, like uh, an Aleve for a horse, you know? <laughs> so he's sitting there, he was like, mm, mm. he's Aww. like, you don't, you don't feel, the stunts when you do them. But when you're my age, you feel every stunt you ever did. Mm, so he was so like, sad. you know, some weird thing where he might have tweaked his shoulder when he was 35. Now his shoulder is totally screwed. And his whole body was, was in really bad shape. And he had like a three-pronged cane. And he could hardly see. And he was just explaining, like, he's like, I broke my back on deliverance. I did this. And so every thing almost like crippled him because he had done so much stuff so when we were talking about me possibly turning 60 i was just thinking of every physical thing i did that i hurt myself every time i stuck my head into a speaker as a at a rave as a kid you know every little thing i've done to my body that it's all gonna come knocking on the door and i'm gonna get a big bag of pain when i turn like 65 and that was Mm -hmm. that was the lesson i took from hanging out with my good friend, Burt Reynolds. What I'm taking away from this is, thank God I'm like pretty sedentary. Oh, that's good. Oh, that'll get you too. I know. Todd, show them the sound that your brain makes when you think. Because Todd was doing some thinking before the show. Yeah, so already you need to have that looked at. You need to be oiled or I don't know. You need to. Sorry, need to I totally just your software. Just sweepered right in the middle of your. 
No, it's fine. I was just saying that it's time for a software update for your firmware or something. Your f- a firmware software update. We have a guest on the show today, and anybody who listens to the show regularly knows that we rarely, we've had like one guest on the show because for the most part, I think people listen because they want to hear Allison Rosen, and then like five <laughs> people want to hear me. But, and. <laughs> Uh, you know, Allison and I did say that if we had a guest that was absolutely positively perfect for the show, then we would bring them on. And here is that rare unicorn we have here. Uh, we have Tracy Kaplan, who's the executive producer and creator of The Ten News, which it comes out Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays. And it's a rare thing. It's a news podcast that parents and kids can listen to together. So hello, Tracy. Hello, hello. That is quite an intro. I feel like the bar is set really high now for this conversation. Oh, I was yeah. thinking, as as Todd was introducing you, I was thinking that is simultaneously a wonderful introduction and also a cruel introduction because, wow, he is setting you up. <laughs> well, I'm going to try. I'm going to try to rise to the occasion here. <laughs> uh, we were talking a while back, uh, a couple weeks ago, and you were make, you made the point to me that pretty much all parents should be exposing their kids to the news. Allison has young, two young boys, and I have a young boy. Uh, why should we start, you know, putting them in front of the Fox News? Uh, what? <laughs> why? When should we start showing them the news? Because so, when you so, say the news, we think Fox, naturally. Right, right. So I yeah. would say not Fox News. Um, okay. I'm a big fan of facts and <laughs> and finding the right news that that really helps break down what's going on. I think the the key point is that they're getting it everywhere. So even if you think that your kids aren't being exposed to it, think about when they have your phone and a Apple news alert pops up or um, because of my job, I have so many notifications that pop up between New York Times, um, the Washington Post. It's insane. Um, But they're seeing that when they're on their own iPads. And even when they're at school, when they're at school, they're hearing other things from their friends. So you may have made choices for your household, but it's really worth a conversation um, with your kids to understand, like, what are they hearing? Um, Where are they getting the news? And then really thinking about, okay, what do I need to be prepared in my family to then answer the questions um, that are coming up? So I, I say it's it's important to do it early because they are getting it. And with the 10 News, our goal is to really help further those conversations and give the context behind the headlines. What's the conversation like when you're talking with your host, Bethany, and your writer, uh, was it Ryan? Ryan. Ryan, mm-hmm. Ryan Willard. Ryan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you guys are say, okay, we've got to talk about Ukraine, uh, and you guys have been covering it, what's what's the conversation like that you figure out the, the best way to do it that a kid will get it? We really start with um, what I just said. So what are the headlines? How scary are they? For us adults, I think they're, they're also pretty scary. And then I think about what do we know? So for for kids, it's really helping them understand the words that are being thrown around. So economic sanctions, what does that mean? 
Why aren't we just going in with all of the the NATO and U.S. forces? What does NATO mean? So really kind of coming at it from that point of how can we empower kids so at least as they're hearing things, even hearing their parents talk about it, that they understand what the terms are that are being thrown about. So that's really where we come at it from is like, what are the things that we can control? Obviously, we can't control what's happening around the world. I wish I could. Um, we can't control what kids are are hearing and getting these little snippets, as I said. So the one thing that we can do is we can give kids that sense of control of at least understanding the terms, the words, and knowing that they're now empowered to ask their grownups what different things mean. A, a really interesting question that I had was at some point, things changed from being um, Kiev, from Kiev to Kiev. And there's actually a really wonderful reasoning behind it. It's the the Russian version versus the Ukrainian version. Mm. And so putting that out there, that now empowers a kid that they know what to call it. They know why to call it that. And it helps them feel a little bit like they can do something. Recently, you talked about Florida's, quote, don't say gay bill on the show. And obviously, I think it's really interesting that you tackled that because it's it's tough in many ways because it's something that people are actually trying to ban kids from hearing about this and you're discussing the thing that they're trying to keep out of kids ears again what what was the conversation like about approaching that sensitive topic and then b what was the worst email you got for doing it actually maybe this is going to open the floodgates we've only gotten positive responses and i think that says something about this generation of kids and um, their approach with each other and in kind of the the overall sexuality and gender space. Um, I have I have a 10 and 12 year old who who school me all the time on um, the the correct pronouns to use for for their friends. And it's wonderful. I, I welcome it. Um, and you know, the it was with any of these, it's a really tough discussion of what are we talking about? How are we approaching it? But um, this one, actually, I felt like was pretty easy for us because we we know what our audience feels already um, about just normalizing differences. And that's, that's actually one of the key tenets of our show is normalizing differences and celebrating them. So we'll never say that we all have to be alike. We we love and embrace our tenors, as we call them, as as all being individuals. But we're all wonderful people at our at our cores, and so really highlighting that it doesn't matter if you're gay, you're straight, you're non-binary. You are all wonderful children that deserve to learn and be talked about. So. The, this one was pretty easy. Of just like we have to do something because we're always thinking about that that kid who can't be themselves in their school. And so at least having a podcast that they can tune into and listen to and know that they're hearing from other kids who are like them. We had um, this amazing transgender activist, Stella Keating, on the show. And she was um, the the first um, teenager to testify in front of Congress for the Equality Act. And we did that for the end of Women's History Month. So if that gives you a sense of, of our approach to these things, um, being, being mindful of the age, I mean, we target 8 to 12. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly there's a lot of very politically active kids in that age range that go with their parents. So um, That's interesting because I don't remember 
being the age of 8 to 12 and there being a single kid that had any interest in anything political. Like maybe a kid was interested in history, but it could be just, I guess, the times we're living in now where I think people in general are way more interested in politics than they were, you know, a few decades ago. I was just going to say it's the access to information, access to social media. Everything just moves and is more visible in a way that it wasn't before. Yeah. And because it's more visible before, then it's a parent's responsibility to get ahead of it and make sure the kids are learning about this stuff in the appropriate way. Like sex. Like nobody wants to have the sex talk with their kid, I doubt. But it's important that you do it so that they learn about this thing correctly because... You know, they're going to hear about it somewhere, right? Um, I'm just laughing because I got a I got a, a notification from the school. This is puberty week, too, uh, for in my son's class, and I'm not ready. Oh. It was a lot. Have, I, don't, I went have with a my thing daughter. Called puberty it, week? It's called puberty week. It was a lot easier with my daughter, I have to be honest. I'm not ready for it with my son. Oh, boy. Well, with that, Tracy, I'd like... <laughs> I thank you so much for coming on Upworthy Weekly and sharing about the 10 news and uh, parents out there that want your kids to get the, the correct take on the news. Uh, tune in and uh, foster a conversation with your kid about what's happening in the world. Great. Thank you. This is wonderful. Come on. It's time to rate your week. Have something great happen this week that you just have to share with the world? Tell us about it by emailing us at UpworthyWeekly at Upworthy.com. Allison, on a scale of one to five, one being completely horrendous and totally awful, and five being completely transplended. Could you rate your week for me? I'm going to give it a three. Okay. I feel like it's been, it feels like a very long week. It's been forever since I've seen you. I haven't yes. seen you since I went on the camping trip, right? No, I, no, I wanted to know how your okay. camping trip went because you were saying that it could have potentially been disastrous. Right. So I went on the camping trip. Um, it was, it was hard. It was hard to go on a camping trip with a three-year-old and a five-year-old, uh, mm-hmm. The cabin was a lot smaller than I expected. It was really um, a, a mobile home, so it was very narrow. So, like to get for for Daniel and I to get past each other, we had to turn sideways and like shimmy. Um, and the there was a, a little pullout sofa in the front that Elliot and Owen were sleeping on, and Owen is still in a crib at home. Uh, so, <clears throat> excuse me. So um, he was sleeping with. Elliot in the bed and he kept calling for me so I came out and I sat in a chair and I was singing to him and I looked and he just I noticed there were just tears streaming out of his eyes uh and I picked him up and I just rocked him I think it was just too much change you know it was just over just over what he was overtired and new environment and he was overwhelmed so then he said I want to sleep with mommy so then I put him in the bed with me and Daniel got into the sofa bed with Elliot. And so then, you know, we sort of settled down there and then he's like, I want to sleep with Elliot. So I was like, oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> at this point, like everyone is so tired. So then we switched again 
And the thing we forgot to, because there's, again, no Wi-Fi, no cell service there. Um, he falls asleep listening to a certain album every single night, and we forgot to make it available on the phone without Wi-Fi. Like, a huge oh. oversight. Yeah. Um, so Daniel put on different music, but in the middle of the night, Daniel couldn't take it anymore, so he turned off the music, and that woke everyone up. Um, so we did not have a good n- first night that night. Um, it was very hot. But then finally, once we like met up with everyone, the kids had a really fun time. You know, once it once it was no longer just the four of us amidst dirt flies and like physical discomfort. um, And we met up with everyone else who was it was with their their preschool who who was on the trip. It was really, really fun. Um, So it was there was high there were highs and lows on the trip. Uh, and then we came home and then I've been sick since we got back. Uh, and I've been test today's the first day I actually feel like myself again. I've been testing negative. Um, it's one of those things where I'm like, how is this not COVID? Because I have, I have all the symptoms, including a low grade fever that keeps going away and coming back. I don't have it today though. So I keep hearing about people who test negative for a number of days and then all of a sudden test positive. Fingers crossed it's not COVID though. My kids get tested, PCR tested at school, and they're negative. So I, so it's been a rough week. Yes. Uh, but I am, and I'm just going to jump the gun, I am a better person uh, because I did go camping. And by the way, though, I posted about camping and the camping truthers came for me and tried to eat me alive because evidently... What I did, because I wasn't in a tent, is not classical camping. And to them, I say, and I don't know if I'm allowed to say this on our show, eat my butt. (laughs) I don't care if you don't consider that camping. It was very uncomfortable. And it was not easy. And for me, it felt like camping, even if it was not classical camping. So I consider it camping, even if I know that it's in. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Eat my butt. Yeah. I'm really like, I'm thinking, I'm looking over my shoulder here for the upworthy sensors. You know, the. <laughs> I think they're going to come in the middle of the night and clip I, that audio. Is that? I'm sorry. I'm looking at them right now. Sorry. Is that? Is that okay? Is it jo- Joseph R. Upworthy going to be okay with, with an, with an, yeah, eat my butt. Yeah, she said eat my butt. Okay. <laughs> yeah, she did say it pejoratively, like it was not, not you know. Uh, it wasn't yeah, a gonna, celebration of it. We're we're gonna leave it in. We're gonna leave it in. Oh, we are. We are gonna. Oh, leave amazing. It in. Yeah. Okay. Great. <sighs> okay. All right. Um. So, uh, I guess, should I rate my week? Um, oh, yes. I'm sorry. I got so caught up in uh, this little fight that I'm having with them. Uh, anyway, Todd, your week on a scale of one, awful, to five, transplendent. How was your week? Uh, I'm going to give it a four. Oh, my word. That's quite yeah. high. And that's because uh, over the weekend, I got to see Paul McCartney. The um, oh wow lead singer of Wings, and some other band that he was in earlier. <laughs> I love that show. Yeah, and the guy who did that song with it's Kanye West, you know, four or five yeah. seconds from what you know that guy, uh, also mm-hmm. 
some band called the Beatles. Uh, but yeah, I saw Paul McCartney uh, on Friday night in, in L.A. at the um, SoFi Stadium and I had a wonderful time with my wife and I just danced and it was just a joyous, good vibey show. Like no one's showing up to the Paul McCartney Stadium bringing the bad vibe. You know, everybody was right. happy, all cool people, all positive music. Uh, and I just, I really enjoyed myself. And the next morning I woke up and it was my son's sixth birthday and we took him to the Chuck E. Cheese. Mm. Now, my wife and I tried to do everything we could to dissuade him from having a Chuck E. Cheese birthday party. We were like, how about, you know, have a have a pool party or how about you pick one friend and we go somewhere really special or something like that anything but having to drag our friends and family and the kids to a Chuck E. Cheese that being said we had a really good time and our friends were there we sat and had beers and the kids played and I actually had a really good time at the Chuck E. Cheese so because because look at that I got to see my son actually had a great time. They do this thing where they put the kid in a ticket machine where they like put him in this little room and they blow all these tickets around and they try to grab him like some kind of cash grab thing. And <laughs> How fun. He just loved it. Like it was the greatest thing ever. Just watching his joy, you know, you know, as a parent uh, that your kids being happy many times feels even greater than your own personal joy as watching your kid have a yes. have a great time. And my kid loved it. It was his perfect day, and it was just like, doing it again next year. That was, and he, you know, Chucky was there, Charles Entertainment Cheese, as everybody knows, and he was great. And, yeah, it was, it was, it was a good time. Are you a better person? No, and this <laughs> also goes back to the Paul McCartney concert. Um... It seems that the moment I woke up the next morning after going to the Paul McCartney show, I did have a little bit of sadness because he didn't play Live and Let Die. Mm. So I thought. So then I went to go look up the set list online, and I realized that after, like, song 23, after he played something, there's kind of a couple songs I don't remember. And I think it was because I accidentally had one too many vodkas at the show. Mm. I had too many vodka tonics. We were very close to the bar, so it made it very easy. And as a 45-year-old man, I've come to the point where I'm pretty good at making sure I don't overdo it. And I think I accidentally, in the excitement, I kind of overdid it. But my wife was totally fine. She was like, yeah, you're just sitting there. Like a child with a large bucket of popcorn watching the show and smiling and probably crying and enjoying myself. But then, and I remember the last two songs, like Helter Skelter, like Woke Me Up, you know, the end the Abbey Road medley he played. But there was about five or six songs. And I'm like, oh, he played. And I looked on my phone and like, I filmed him. So, <laughs> so I felt like that was a regression for me because I'm a mm-hmm. grown man and there's no way I should be drinking, having it up. I don't know if it was a blackout, just that I don't remember. Mm, I feel like that's a blackout. No, I know. I just know. Maybe I not. I just didn't remember. Maybe it's not. A, okay. A blackout drunk wouldn't have taken pristine video from the, the third deck. Upworthy Weekly. This is something, this is kind of like a course correction. We've had a lot of talk on the show about the fact that uh, I've said many a time, and we don't need to get into it, but that... 
cats don't appear on this show because cats are not upworthy because they don't do like life-saving things. And they don't do redeeming things like that. Cats are kind of to themselves. But I found a story that I did this week for Upworthy about a cat. So I just want everybody to know that those who think we have some kind of anti-cat bias, it's not true. There just wasn't a story. But I got a story, folks. So here we go. Study shows your cat probably knows your name and that of their free feline friends. So look at this. Cats actually care about people enough to know their names. Let the record show. Cats also are upworthy. I'm just playing some nice cat noises. Some pleasant cat noises. Yeah, look. <laughs> They're so cute and cuddly. Just uh, amazingly oh, cute man. here. So, whoa. Oh, sorry, it's a little frightening. Just... <laughs> okay, can I get to this? Okay, thank you. So cats are often seen as being aloof or standoffish, even with their owners. Of course, that differs based on who the cat lives with, so says science. A new study out of Japan has found that cats may be paying more attention to their fellow felines and human friends than most people thought. In fact, they're probably listening to their conversations. So basically, they ran a story where they would show a cat that had like two other cats they live with. They would show a, a, a picture of a cat and say the other cat's name. So the cat would get confused showing it knows the name. Mm. They would do the same thing with humans. And... Oh. <laughs> what? This is... The, the cat's there very, very sweet. So... What happened was they found that um, they know the names of people and, and other cats. So there we go. You know, everybody that thinks that cats aren't upworthy, they're very sociable creatures that are just very, they're very into knowing their surroundings and caring about other people. And they're listening to our conversations where we say names. Uh, I think that cat's in heat. Well, I think that people who have something negative to say about you and cats have a lot to think about. You guys leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts, and we love when you do that. And as a way of saying thank you, we read them religiously. And sometimes we read them on the show. And I would just like to read one. Here we go. Oh, look, this one uh, mentions me. What a coincidence. Mm. <laughs> I have come off terribly on this show, Todd. Great host, great show. Big fan of Allison, so I had to check out this show. It's great. Todd, the king of good news, and Allison, everyone's best friend, are great together. Interesting topics and fun takes on stories. It's nice to see how they rate their week and whether or not they're a better person at the end of the show. Thank you for the fun times and good news, Allison and Todd. Maybe one day there will be a cat story, but probably not. And this is from Lauren Kells. Oh, well, that's sweet. Look at that. This week there was a cat story. It's like she she uh, manifested it. Mm-hmm. She used the secret. <laughs> and before, if you're listening, before you close out that app, give us a quick little review and let us know how you feel about the show. Positive, negative, probably yes, positive. Please. I just realized, looking at video of myself as we're recording this, that I forgot to brush my teeth today. I mean, it's still early in the day. I still have enough time to get that done. But I'm wondering if the guy who edits our videos, if he could maybe, I don't know, just get in there with a little bit of, like, whitening in there.
Perry just to help me out. Yeah. Upworthy Weekly was produced That's by Todd Perry. That was not a very Follow atomic Upworthy habit on of all you. all socials at Upworthy. Allison is on Twitter at Allison Rosen. And Todd at Todd A. Perry. That's Todd with one D. Allison has Questions, one Questions, comments, or to tell us about That's your right. amazing week, email us at UpworthyWeekly at Upworthy.com. I'm Marley Balin. Have a great week. Right, like, what do you have for me today, Satan?